question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Walking here. On Sports Hub Triad. We've really got an awesome show for you today. David Cutcliffe will join us at 3.30. Before that, in about 20 minutes, it'll be your first shot to win a pair of tickets to go see Wake Forest and Duke Saturday in Winston-Salem. And I actually want to start with that game because we tend to take coaches for granted in sports. Certain guys we think are just going to be at one school forever, and it turns out they don't. I think North Carolina and Duke basketball fans are processing that right now, even though Coach K is going to coach out this year. You get what I'm talking about. Which brings us to Duke and Wake this weekend. It feels like, one way or another, this will be the final time Dave Clawson and David Cutcliffe meet in this rivalry. I think it's likely one of those two won't be there next year. But who knows? It's possible both might not be. With Clawson, this is the most hype he's ever had, which is saying something because he's done a lot of great things at Wake. He's told me many times before, it's become a script now. When his name gets thrown into conversations at given schools, he knows what to tell his players. It's just part of being good at Wake Forest. Don't pay any attention to that. But there has to come a point where the hype becomes too great, where the money becomes so great, where the opportunity is so great that Clawson can't turn it down. I've said multiple times on this show, I don't see him leaving unless it's the right opportunity. I don't see that in the market right now. USC is the only one, Robert, I think might be able to, to, to convince Clawson to go just because it's a top five job. It's not in the SEC. It's still a private school. It's Los Angeles. You have a path to the playoff that, frankly, you don't really have at Wake Forest unless you have the greatest season in school history. That's the job I look at and think, oh, if USC is interested in Dave Clawson, you'd be dumb not to listen if you were Clawson. I don't think the SEC, I don't think he has an appetite for that after his experience in Tennessee that one year. I could be wrong. Even LSU. I don't think he has an appetite for that. It would have to be the right opportunity. I don't know if USC would have a lot of interest in Dave Clawson. It seems like they're going more big sport hunting right now. But if they did, that's something I could see. Who knows? It might be trickle-down effect. Let's say USC or LSU hire Dave Aranda from Baylor. Baylor would be a perfect place for Clawson to jump to. In terms of similarities with what he's used to, competitiveness, path to the playoff, that would be a job I look at and think, yep, that's understandable. I get why he did that. I still don't think he leaves because I don't think the right opportunity is going to be there for him, but it's certainly possible. That's why we're talking about it right now. That's why many Wake fans are talking about it right now with the Deeks ranked 13th in the country. As for the Cutcliffe piece of this, it's starting to look like the end of the Cutcliffe era. I hope I'm wrong. Because, Robert, Cut might be my favorite football coach to talk with. Among the regular coaches that we have on this show, Cut, he might be my favorite of the bunch. 
all-around great guy, wealth of knowledge, great stories, unbelievable coach. We know the entire deal. I think it would be wrong to fire him. I don't think Duke is going to, but consider this. Everything around David Cutcliffe has changed in the last 12 months. Remember when Chris Spatola, who was once an assistant for Coach K, told us back in January he wouldn't be surprised if K retired sooner rather than later because Kevin White was getting ready to retire. There was a change in leadership in the ACC as John Swafford was giving way to Jim Phillips. A new AD is taking hold at Duke. It's a new world with the way you have to recruit. Cutcliffe's getting up there in age. He's been around at Duke. He has nothing else to prove at Duke. It feels like he's maximized that job to the point where there are enough Duke fans now who follow football that didn't in the mid-2000s that don't remember what it was like when Duke was playing like an FCS program. Cutcliffe's done an unbelievable job. I think it would be wrong to fire him, but I think there's a stronger chance Cutcliffe decides, I've had enough of this, and does something else. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. After watching them a couple weeks ago get drubbed 48 to nothing by Virginia. That's the lowest point I've seen it in the Cutcliffe era, and I was sitting there in the first row of the end zone. It was pretty bad. Duke might be the worst team in the ACC right now. That isn't to say they can't be competitive on Saturday because this has been a wonky season. It's starting to look like the end of the Cutcliffe era. I think he should be able to leave whenever he wants because that's how good of a job he's done. But that doesn't mean that's the way it's going to go down. This has been a fun rivalry, so enjoy it while we have it. Saturday, WSJS Sports, 4 o'clock. Cutcliffe, he's won four of the seven meetings. Clawson has three wins, of course, dating back to 2014 when Clawson arrived. Both go after the same kinds of players. Both have to do more with less. There might be some bad blood there because Clawson was the one to take over for Cutcliffe play-calling duties in Knoxville. And... They couldn't get it done in 2008. Phil Falmer ended up resigning, I think, after that season. There might be some blame that if the offense performed better and the team performed better, Fulmer might have stuck around a little bit longer. They played some meaningful games. Duke needed a win to gain bowl eligibility in 2017. They were down 17-3 to at Truist Field in Winston-Salem. Daniel Jones led the comeback. A ton of fourth down opportunities in that game. The next year, Wake Forest had to go on that run at the end of the season just to become bowl eligible. And the last game of the regular season was at Wallace Wade, and Wake Forest put it on them. 59-7 in David Cutcliffe, or make it Daniel Jones' final game he ever played at Wallace Wade Stadium. This has been a sneaky good rivalry. Enjoy what you got while we've got it, because... If I was a betting man, I'd say this is the last time Clawson and Cutcliffe meet in an ACC game. One way or the other, with the hype surrounding Clawson and where things are at with the Duke football program. On Twitter at WSJS Sports, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. 
That's the number that you should be saving because in about 10 minutes, we're going to be giving away tickets to go see Wake and Duke. We'll tell you how to win those in just a little bit. Let's go to Dave and Clemens, who wants in on Dave Clawson. I still believe Clawson's going to stay. I'm less worried about Clawson leaving than I am something happening at Duke that I would not be in favor happening. Dave, what do you think about Clawson's optic? I, I, Josh, I think he's going to be going. I wanted to run two things by you and see what you thought about the possibility of Virginia Tech with Dave Clawson. If they got rid of their coach, would that be a good fit? And then also, if Dave Clawson does leave, who do you think would be a good replacement for him? Like the Billy Napiers, Chad, Jamie Chadwells of the world? Or you think they might go after somebody like a Hugh Freeze? I actually think, thank you for the phone call, Dave. I think they hire from within. I think Warren Ruggiero would be the head coach if Dave Clawson were to go anywhere. So you could keep that offense intact and you could try to keep the same base of what you're doing in place in Winston-Salem. It's funny, I've had a few friends of mine who are Virginia Cavalier fans text me about Dave Clawson to Virginia Tech. I don't think he would take that job. In more ways than one. Ways I don't care to outline right now because I don't want to make anybody mad. That's not a fit. Not a fit for Dave Clawson to go to Virginia Tech. Moving things along. Loaded Thursday night sports late tonight. Hit the horn, Robert, because I'm going to Kane's Bruins after the show tonight. Robert? Thank you for that. What are you more excited to watch tonight? What are you more excited to watch tonight? ECU USF inside Rowdy Dowdy. I think that game's going to be on ESPN. Or perhaps the biggest NFL game of the week, Packers Cardinals. Oh, that's tough. Uh, It's probably an even split for me. I'm going to have them on split screens up. Uh, Just interested to see how much Amari Rodgers and this like ragtag group of wide receivers of Green Bay is going to march in here with no uh, no Devontae Adams, no Lazard, no Mm -hmm. MVS. They got to figure it out on offense, but good thing for them, they have a great quarterback who can, I think, fill those shoes. And with ECU, I mean, I saw a stat earlier in the week that was like passing touchdowns by USF, two. They're not good. Rushing touchdowns by USF, 16. So if there's one thing that ECU does not do well, not just this year, but any year that I've been a fan of them, is stopping the run. So do you think they're going to be able to, uh, I guess bend USF to the, their will because they should beat them. They're not a good team. It's weird what you're describing. I didn't realize USF was that good running the ball, but they've become running back you a little bit in the American after what we saw last week with Dearness Johnson running for Cleveland. Marlon Mack once upon a time was at USF. Tonight's a must win for ECU. USF's an awful team. Jeff Scott hasn't proven anything as a coach but they have gotten better as the season's gone on. This game's in Greenville, America. They're wearing the black jerseys. Pirates are at 3-4. and four. They still have a shot at bowl eligibility, but only if they win this game because this is one you have to have. You're not realistically beating Cincinnati at the end of the year. Got some more difficult games on the slate. They should not be under 500 right now. 
Three winnable games they let slip away. South Carolina, UCF, last weekend in overtime against Houston amid that thunder delay. Tonight's a must win for the Pirates. As for the Cardinals, one way or another, public opinion of Arizona is going to be shaped tonight. It's not fair, but this is their first primetime game. So this is the first time a lot of people are going to be seeing Arizona. It shouldn't be that way. You should say, well, they beat the LA Rams about a month ago and did that in their house. But no Sunday night, no Monday night, obviously no Thursday night to this point. Opinions are going to be molded tonight, and I think it's a good matchup for Arizona. They're at home. They have they lead the league right now, or they're tied for the league in scoring defense. The way they play defense is with a great pass D. I think they're third in the league in rush uh, passing yards allowed defensively in the good way. You want to not give up a lot of passing yards. And as you mentioned, no Devontae Adams. No Lassard as well. I think Arizona wins, but playing the results, if they win, it's going to become tomorrow. Arizona, can they go unbeaten? They're the best team in the league. And if they lose, you're going to have folks calling them a fraud because that's the first time they've been on prime time and they've had injuries like J.J. Watt's going to be out probably for the remainder of the year, we learned yesterday. And they probably should have lost that Minnesota game at home earlier in the season. Did you see all the injuries he had he was playing through? It was like four massive ones like he... uh Tore his bicep, his rotator cuff, dislocated. We're talking about what? Yes, dislocated his shoulder and something else like that he's been playing through for the last six weeks. Didn't see that. That's ridiculous. And he was a huge component of their run defense getting better. I did not see them being that good of an upfront defense, and they were. So, I mean, that's a huge loss for them. He was playing like 16 J.J. Watt. David Cutcliffe is going to join us again at 3.30, so in a little over 15 minutes. We're going to be giving away Wake Duke tickets in our next segment, so stick around to find out how to win those. Also, I'll tell you, the one college job I could see Matt Rule leaving the Panthers for. Next on The Drive. It is insane. Everybody is insane! What's going on in there? You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Oh, we're on, we're on the exact same page. You know, Coach, Coach Roll and I, we talk regularly in our meetings and everything like that, and so uh, we see everything the same way. That's the voice of Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady earlier today telling you everything's fine. Matt Rule and I, we're both on the same page. When Matt last week was saying that throwing the ball 40 times a game is no way to win and that we just need to roll our sleeves up and run the ball better. That was my idea too. It's crazy that Matt said that right before that press conference. I was like, sup Matt? Crazy thought. Let's let's, uh, try to approach things as if we're the 2006 New York Giants. That's what it sounded like to be Robert. It sounded like he was trying to make everybody think that when they order milkshakes, they go one shake, two straws. Like... I, I don't think it's that deep, but... Have you ever gone one milkshake, two straws? I don't think it helps that much. I can drink the same out of one straw or two straws. That's what I'm saying. Darren Vaught is in studio now. Before we get to baseball, two milkshakes, one straw, have you ever? Yeah, 100%. I mean, they're both for me, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> It just makes more sense that way. It hey, gets the blockages buy, out of the way. How about just buy her a milkshake? Nah. Can't because do it. Because all that's going to happen is I drink your milkshake. Stop. 
That's all that's going to happen. I drank it all up. Somebody actually went up to me last week and said, I felt so seen when you quoted, there will be blood. No, you, they didn't. No one came up to you. No one told you that. You are so lying. 100% it happened. Then he is seen every week it because you she. quote that once a week. If I could men it in was black she. the information out of your brain of that, I would. It was a she, not a he. That who sounds loves, exactly like what you would say if you were making it up. Who loves There Will Be Blood made my day. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> Appreciate it. Tracy Anderson of the Anderson uh, dry cleaning business. I really appreciate you guys and your love of there will be blood. Anyway, next on Milkshake Talk. <laughs> on Twitter at WSJS Sports, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Please no one give Josh any more validation today. No one. Just I know we just gave out the phone number and the, the Twitter. Just don't do it. Is what? there will be blood... A great movie to quote. 336-777-1600. No, damn it! It's not what There's I wanted. Two. What? What is it other than I'm your Huckleberry in the milkshake line? I'm your Huckleberry? I don't think it's that movie. I think it's... Basta little basket! See, but what, in what way would you reference that without everybody going, what the hell is this guy talking about? I don't know. I feel like I've quoted that more than the milkshake line on this show. But see, I think that makes it not a quotable movie. If it's not on like Step Brothers. Also, if if Robbie just suggested a quote that is actually from Tombstone. There you go. Yeah. It's, probably, it's probably not that quotable. Sure. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think that's the right movie. But it, it, it lends itself to your point, Robert. It does. No. I, I fancy myself as an oil man. How I are you going to work that if, in? Dude, how, yeah, if you how, are using that, that in context. Like, what would you be in, away. like, Beamer Tire and Auto? And they're like, <laughs> what would you like today? And you're like, I fancy myself an oil man. I you hope that they right. would just throw the Dukes up. <laughs> like, it's just like, all right, dude, like, you're the third person who's been quoting that there will be blood in here today. I'm going to knock your ass out. You walk into the CBD store. <laughs> I fancy myself an oil man. You're in Lowe's Foods, and you're like, how am I going to cook? How am I supposed to fry these? For I fancy myself an oil man. Then another guy's like, I prefer duck fat. Like, what? How Canola are you going to work oil. these in? There's, I, you cannot find appropriate context. Go ahead and give another quote. What's another quote from that movie? I'm trying to think if Paul Dano had a line that stands out from that movie. I think you're wrong on this one. I think yeah, a lot no, of people... No, you don't. You don't think I'm wrong on this one. <laughs> I think the audience is going to come out in full force. Here they come. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. 336-777-1600. Yeah, call 333. Please call 333 so I don't have to hear about this for the rest of the day. Save your man, Tracy. Tracy Anderson. Tracy... <laughs> And her dad. Getting to the World Series now. <laughs> I don't think you had anything on the Joe Brady part of this, did you? Not really. No, you blew right by that, though. <laughs> there will be blood. That's a guy who might want to <laughs> press the eject button. Very. Uh, I, yeah. I think Matt Rule. I was so worried that was a quote. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, 
that's somebody who would want to press the eject button. I'm like, damn it, did he sneak another one in here? Did he make it make sense? Wait a minute, have you not seen this movie? Oh, I have, but I don't Tombstone know the quote. A second ago. I don't know the quote. <laughs> It's. I'm not going to bury you underground, Eli. Shifting things along. Joe Brady, he's the guy I'd be more worried about leaving than Matt Rule right now. Unless the Penn State job comes open, as I pointed out. Brady, it seems like he's been belittled. It seems like his manhood's been taken away. The offense isn't performing. Matt Rule, he... Ne- there's no past relationship with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. He hired Joe Brady because Joe Brady did great things at LSU, but they had never worked together before. And if there's going to be a fall guy for what's happening right now, it ain't going to be Matt Rule with four years, $43 million remaining in the contract. It's going to be Joe Brady who's making significantly less. I don't know what it is. They never told us what it was. It's significantly less, and on top of that, there's no past allegiances there the way that there is between Matt Rule and Bill well, Snow. He, well, and when he came in, he was the young guy. It was, oh, he's he's really young to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, right? That's an easy fallback position. It's like, well, you know what? He was a visionary. We we got ahead of ourselves. He turns out he wasn't ready. He's going to go back to LSU and be the head coach or there, whatever he's going to Would do. LSU make that hire now? Would LSU? I, right? It's an interesting question. I don't think they would. I, well, I think they'd have better options is yeah. the reason why. Right. But there will be somebody in college. Like, what's stopping Texas Tech from going, we like to score points. Mm-hmm. We had Cliff Kingsbury go 500 here a few years ago. Joe Brady could do better than that. Let's bring in Joe Brady. Well, and for Brady's sake, it's a it's Washington a step, State the same way. It's a step back to step forward, potentially, sort of back, even though he hasn't been a head coach at the collegiate level. Five NFL head coaching. There's interviews. a there's a there's a direct path from Texas Tech to becoming an NFL coach, and Cliff Kingsbury proved that. So I think if you're Brady, and that is at least part of what this is for, you see that and can envision yourself going back to Texas Tech to coach a college. Robert, which caller am I going to first of the people that are supporting me for these There Will Be Blood quotes? Uh, on line one, we have Johnny Make em Up, and on line two, we have uh, Fake Fake McFakey. Is Tracy on line three? <laughs> Tracy yes. called up and she said she didn't want to get on air, but she said, if I come down there and I find out you lied to me, I'm going to take more than your money. As for the World Series. I wish someone would call and say, thanks for asking is enough regarding, yeah. regarding calls to back back you up, Josh. That's my that's me working one of them. I would only hope that Tracy was listening right now so she could support this claim that she had been so seen. But, alas, she's not listening right now. It's a big old triad out there, people that love this movie. I know it. There's a whole <laughs> ocean of oil under our feet. No one can get at it except for me. I don't even think you can get at it. I don't think so. <laughs> Both teams, I feel like, in the World Series. <laughs> there's, sorry, I'm reading through quotes on Rotten Tomatoes, and no, there's one I that know. is profane and not appropriate. That, you know, here in a couple hours, you might want to say as you close out the show. More profound than Bastard in a Basket? Yeah, it's a hell of a show. Yeah, he- hell of a show. 
That was one hell of a show. One blank hell of a show. So both teams in the World Series, I feel like, are feeling good right now as this series goes to Atlanta. The Braves got the split. They have home field advantage in this series. That crowd's going to be amazing tomorrow. As for the Astros, the bats came alive. It's clear that their bats, when they're on, stronger than Atlanta's bats. It's clear to me their pitching is deeper than Atlanta's is, especially without Charlie Morton. If that's your number three starter doing what he did last night for Houston, you're feeling pretty good about yourselves. And I feel like my my read on this is the longer this series goes, the better I feel about Houston because many of these guys have been there. They've done that. And Charlie Morton, you're going to miss one Charlie Morton start. But if you go seven, there's a chance you might be missing him two times. He might be out there and available to throw for you. I like Houston to win this series in seven. I said that at the beginning of the series. And my opinion hasn't changed on that. Yeah, I um, I think pitching is a little bit more even than you you are painting the picture here because we got to keep in mind Houston prior to the series lost out on Lance McCullers. So for instance, ah. for Game Three, they're trotting out Luis Garcia as their starter, whereas the Braves have a younger but you know, pedigreed in a postseason sense, Ian Anderson. I'll ask the question that Robert Walsh has. When uh, when does the Grinkster throw? Yeah, when's Grinky out there? I think he's gonna I think he's projected game four starter. So he, be he would a be huge the, game the second four, game the second game in Atlanta, I think. The Grinkster? Unless again, like pitching has been so weird in this postseason. Um I mean, you know, Gr- Grinky went what thirty days in between starts. Yeah, Robert knows like last that. time, so there could be some weirdness, right? And that's um, what you got to worry about with a pitcher like Grinky. Like when he goes up there, like you're expecting, you could have really good results, or he could just throw it in the dirt, which is like fifty fifty shot. And that's what you get with the Grinkster, and that's why I love him. But I just don't know if he's going to bring his A game <laughs> against the Braves hitters. I'm surprised, have you, have even you, though, you, see, he's rooting a bit for the Astros because of Grinky, but I'm surprised you haven't just fully gone on the Braves and yelled out, I've abandoned my boy! <laughs> I've abandoned my boy! I can't keep doing this. No, nope, guys, we, we're not going to keep guys, doing this. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. If we do this again. That was a great one! It, I worked that in perfectly! I've abandoned my boy! Who's Robert's boy, though? Grinkster. For the Braves. No, He's I abandoned his For his, his childhood yeah. team. All right. Yeah. Uh, I've abandoned my boy! What's Freddie works. Freeman's wife doing? God, what a smoke show. I had no clue she looked that good. Uh, it's a great story on E60 that. that they did on that family. <laughs> Beautiful yeah. baby suit. It's unfortunate because Nick was like, you need to Little. check out Freddie Freeman's wife. And I look her up on Google Images, and then the next thing is like Freddie Freeman's babies. It's like, who well, the hell is looking need, up baseball players' babies? Well, if you watch the E60 story I about how they've had difficulty having children, um, well, that's, it's a I'm great, sure, it's a but great why are you story. looking up images of them? That is strange if you're looking up children. Like if you're yeah, looking Nick, up Freddie Freeman's babies, you, you yeah, need Nick, to be on a watch list. Nick, why? <laughs> Nick didn't tell me. I, no, Nick I told me the no, wife. I said the wife, and then the babies <laughs> popped up. You would. Come on, Nick. <laughs> 
Keep it together over there, all right? What was that? I'm trying laugh. to get Robert, Robert, Robert into this World Series, so I had to bring it up. Robert should be into this World Series, whether it be the Grinkster or his childhood team, the Atlanta Braves, playing. Robbie, have you happened to YouTube uh, highlights of Zach Greinke's EFIS pitch? <laughs> I don't know what EFIS is, but I'm going to name that my next cat. <laughs> Come here, EFIS. What is EFIS? An EFIS pitch is like just like a junk pitch, and he throws it at like 65 miles per hour. Sometimes he adds like a little knuckle element to it. <sighs> it's an E-E-P-H-U-S, just like YouTube Zach Greinke EFIS. And you know, when he was coming out of college, that was my big knock on the Grinkster is that his knuckles, <laughs> I was worried that his knuckles would be too big to put a little knuckle in it, but he's done a great job. Uh with the with the EFIS. <laughs> well, that was one damn hell of a segment. A man you all know and tolerate. 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 The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. In tech news, Facebook is no more. Mark Zuckerberg announces the name of Facebook along uh, with all its other properties that they're putting into one is Meta. That is the name of it now. They unveiled a new name. The company's diving into the metaverse, so they're calling it Meta. I thought for a second they were just going to have a new name and Mark Zuckerberg was going to walk up there and then have this big announcement for what the new name of Facebook was going to be. And then right next to the Facebook logo, the word the is just going to appear. And they're going to go back to it. And Justin Timberlake's going to walk out and sing mirrors. That's what I thought it was going to be. The Facebook. The Facebook. It is now meta. I'm envisioning, you know, when um, in, the, in the office, you don't, Josh, because we've been over this. Uh, they debut the new Sabre product, and it's the triangular smartphone. Sabre. Robbie, yeah, Sabre. <laughs> That's what this is. It's I envisioned uh, Ryan Howard, BJ Novak's character. He does the uh, Sabre, it's time to come home thing where he puts on the <laughs> eyeliner and he's wearing like the futuristic outfit. That's what I envisioned, that lizard person robot. Zuckerberg. Nah, he's in charge of the lizard people. There is no one on the planet that looks more like a lizard than he does. Adam Silver. See, I still think he's but, got but Silver's like, milk. But, but but you've seen Adam Silver at least emote a little oh, hold bit. On a Are we saying looks like a lizard or looks like they have a zipper on the back of their head that they unzip <laughs> yes. to reveal and they're they a are, lizard person? They are one in the same person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Silver looks more like that. Oh, okay. Let's get into... That's what I would describe to be an unusual question. <laughs> yeah. Who looks more like a Perfectly. lizard person, Z- Zuckerberg or Adam Silver? Rather than answer that, we have more questions to ask, and you can ask yours at 336-777-1600 or on Twitter at WSJS Sports. Let's get to it. Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. We don't need no education. Who passed the test? If one of y'all says some silly ass name. Who dropped the ball? I don't know if this is the right Josh segment. Graham has the answers. I think you're very condescending. Take two. 
Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh right, and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. It is all right, Robbie, and we're going to start with you. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't call me that. You don't get to call me that. <laughs> that is the first time I think I've ever called you Robbie. As you like to say, no, 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 I don't like it. I really we, don't. We've known each other for Wait, six be, years, maybe, and I don't think I've ever called you Robbie. But I did it, and I influenced you. To be clear, you're okay with me calling you Robbie? Yeah, yeah, of course. We don't like okay. this. It's not like a working relationship. Yeah. All right, all right. My type can't call him that. <laughs> Redheads can't call Robbie, even though Robbie is a redhead. Sorry, Robert. Robert. There we go. Robert, right, we're what is your unusual question? <laughs> All right, so my girlfriend is a big fan of the sweets, and like once a week or like whenever I know she's working late, like I'll go to the grocery store and get her some ice cream so that when she gets off, she has something cool. But she likes these weird-ass flavors. Like it's never just like chocolate and peanut butter or something that's easily like recognizable. It's always something like Rocky Road or Moose Tracks. Like how the hell did we come up with these stupid names for ice cream? Why can't we not just call them what they are? Because if Moose Tracks was the first and best option, that's a terrible name. Because it might as well be Moose Droppings. It doesn't look anything like a Moose Tracked in the snow. It looks like Moose Droppings or Rocky Road. The thing ain't yeah. rocky. It looks like any other ice cream. Like, can we not just call ice cream what it is? Like, why do we have to do these like so what ambiguous would Moose names? Tracks be called in your perfect world? Whatever the hell's in Moose Tracks. I don't know. I'm not eating her ice cream, but like, what is, what's Moose Tracks? Like vanilla with like little Reese's cups with peanut butter in it. Maybe some caramel. I think caramel. it's caramel and some butter. Yeah, there's some caramel yeah. in there. So cool. Um, so we'll call it like caramel, peanut butter, vanilla crunch or something. I don't know. Call it what's <laughs> in it. We don't have stupid names for like pizzas, <laughs> like the Graham Slam when we should just call it Buffalo Chicken Pizza. Like but we don't we do. do that. I'm but so glad do. that we do. <laughs> Shouts to the folks at Pie Guys. Robert Walsh. <laughs> Great question there. Darren Bott, what's your unusual question? What is my unusual question? So I was explaining uh, during the break that I went to like an old-fashioned burger and soda joint. Um, I hope you steal Josh's burger. Highway 55? (laughs) No, 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 no. This is a local place in Cary. You guys know I'm based in the Triangle um, called Corbett's. Great spot. First time I'd ever been there. Have you ever had a moxie? You no, know what I'm talking a about? A moxie is like no a, idea. It's like one of the old school uh, glass bottle sodas. Uh, it's dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they used to do ads with like Babe Ruth did a, a campaign on them. Ted Williams did a campaign on them. So there's a baseball tilt here. I know of moxie because of the Ted Williams ads. Um, it is awful. Holy cow. It, I don't know that I really have a question, but I'm just commenting on Moxie. It's like it's like a licorice and turmeric flavored soda. Oh. Woof. Terrible. Terrible. Uh I don't again, I don't do you have a favorite like glass bottle old school soda? Oh yeah, you can't get wrong with the pony cokes. Like the cokes and the yeah. pony little- cokes are great. My grandma, every time I used to go over to her house, she would have like pony cokes and like this little freezer box just for me. And we would keep like the uh, the lids from all of them. And she did like a, a table that was all Coca Cola lids. Like she poured the epoxy over top of it. So I have a very fond place in my heart for pony. Nice, cakes. that's good. I'm glad. All right, I'm glad that's where my. 
question ended up. I, I favor a peach knee high. Ah, see, the knee highs slept <laughs> yeah. on. Can I get to the important burger question that I've been wanting to ask for years? Okay. Hold on. This, can I'm I really ask the unusual this Can I ask the the prefacing unusual question? Sure. What the hell took you so long to ask it? Yeah, you've been doing this for years. <laughs> I had burgers for dinner last night and thought, I really want to talk about this, but I don't have a means on my radio show to do so. Oh wait, I do. <laughs> okay. This right. happened last night. <laughs> what side? What side of the hamburger bun? Do you put on top? What side goes on top of the hamburger? The smaller, thinner side? This is the dumbest question. Or that's ever the been bigger side of the bun? The rounded side goes yeah, on top. Yeah, yeah. So it's the t- it's the big top rounded side. I always put the bottom one on top. Oh, hold on, guys. Because should it? Uh, Hold on. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. But let me explain. Let me explain. (sighs) I feel like if you had mustard or ketchup that you put on top of the burger, wouldn't you want the base to be larger than the top? Thus, if there was some drippage, there might be an ability to catch it in the vehicle that is the bun. No, because you're Why not is the small of the top bun. It's the same amount. The, the, those liquids that you're talking about don't just get sucked up into it. Well, yeah, they're not. It's not. They're not actual liquids. It's not like I don't I think mean, you some, actually some do of this. it. Some of it does, but it's not. I like, do. It's not like ketchup, mustard, mayo. It's not like those literally soak into the bun unless it's been sitting there on the bun for literal hours. I've had people for years. Tell me, oh, you, you you put the bun on the wrong side. No, you no, did. No. You I did. Think, I think I'm you're putting the bun. I think you're putting the bun <laughs> on the wrong side this entire time. Don't listen to what Big Hamburger tells you. It's supposed to be smaller side should go on top. All right, guys. The- here's my unusual question: Do you guys face the tank when you're pooping? Or do you face outside of the toilet? Because I've had people for years come into me in the stalls and say, Hey, bucko, you're you're facing the wrong way. Where are you looking at the wall for, you scoot? And I said, this is the way I go pooping. Are you kidding me? Like, I need Sarah Bradford to be like, yes, he does this. And I ask him why he does this and why are we getting married all the time. That you don't actually do this. You were like, I don't have an unusual question. I'm just going to say I do something weird and ask who else does it. I've been doing this my entire life, and don't, I'm going to stand by it. You don't AC Slater the pooper, though, do you? <laughs> I don't do that. I do not do that. Intern Nick closes out. Jeez, it's going to be really tough to follow up on that one. <laughs> I mean, if you're at a restaurant, yeah. like, do you flip like the burger gonna give over? It to I do. I do no, do you that. Don't. I don't Before believe I put the that. Ketchup. I do not believe Before that. Before I put the ketchup second, and mustard, do that. I don't do it. I do that. I do that. I <sighs> flip it over every single time. I have so many issues uh, with this. Okay. So, Darren, you remember when we were at ACC tip-off and we were coming back from the bars and we were just so excited to eat those cinnamon rolls that were left over? <laughs> One yeah. bar. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, the those cinnamon, were, those the cinnamon awesome. rolls. Yeah, uh, continue. What's everybody's favorite drunk food they like to come home and eat? Like mm. you're coming back from the bar from a late wow. night out, and you just have that junk food in your cabinet that you don't really touch till that night. 
Mine's Cheez-Its. I always go for Cheez-Its. Oh. I eat like half the box when Original. I come home from the bars. <laughs> I love, by the way, can I just say, Nick has a very, very specific brand, and it's 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 excellent, right? And now that I've gotten to know him a little bit, it's so perfect that he asks questions like this. It's beautiful. I, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's original Lay's potato chip for me. Okay. Or chocolate milk. Oh, that's a good one. Chocolate milk. That's a good one. Those are my two. I wish, with your cin- with the cinnamon rolls in mind, I wish there were more options for like late night to get a donut. Mm, yeah. Because if it's if I have access to donuts, that's what I want. At like if I'm hungover, if I'm drunk, whatever. You Robert, should be I'm able interested to buy in what your answer is. By the slice. Like at a, at a like a, a drive through, and they're like, "What can I get you?" I'm like, "I just need one slice of pie, ma'am." I would you just, can. Where are you going at McDonald's? After the bar? Like McDonald's actually sells that. That's like, uh, like but it's not like a pie pie, 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 right? Pie though, that's oh. like a, a handheld to go. Wish I was a pie. <laughs> What's will, the answer to the question? It's a, it's a sweet good. hot Mine pocket. Mine is I have this uh, box of. Uh, tater tots I get from Sam's whenever I run out, mm-hmm. and it's like a five-pound bag, right? So as soon as I come back, I, I fire up the microwave oven, and I throw a... I don't even count them. You know, when you're like, I'm not going to eat all these. Who cares? Yeah. And I just get tater tots. And the microwave oven we've got makes them so crispy. I love it. And that's been unusual questions. I feel like to get answers sometimes, I'm like Reese Davis with Bill Walton sitting next to him on college game day. Did you see how that went last Saturday? Oh, yeah. They, he should... He's he should, going, he Robert, should maybe be on you have to week. deliver a pick. You have to deliver a pick like in 30 seconds, Max. <laughs> Bill Walton decided for his pick to talk for a minute and 15 seconds to the point where Reese Davis is like close to Bill Walton's ear saying, I need your pick. I need your pick. I need your pick. But need first, pick, let me Bill. tell you guys about how I eat burgers. Uh, <laughs> I like to put the top bun on the bottom. Bill Walton, I've got, I've, I've met him one time. I didn't ask him about this. He's definitely with me on this. Darren, appreciate <laughs> Bill you. Bill Walton does not eat burgers upside down. Yes, he does. Would be yeah. like you buffoon. <laughs> how dare you? The sacredity of burgers. Darren, I appreciate you being here. Yeah, for sure. It's unbelievable. Robbie, play the people some Menzingers later in the show. You got, you got, <laughs> you got a little more best. than an hour left. Yeah. Yeah, he is a locker room divider. He can't be a problem. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Before we get to David Glenn to talk about all things ACC, Founder of the ACC Sports Journal, writing stuff for Chapelboro. Anybody have optimism that the Panthers are going to turn it around? We're three days away from the Atlanta Falcons-Panthers game, and I'm all out of optimism, given that Carolina has the second most difficult schedule remaining the rest of the way. You look at what they have. You've got Buffalo, Tampa twice, Arizona, who plays tonight, and you have to go to the Saints. And this is after your most manageable stretch of three games where you probably should have won all three. Philly at home, Minnesota at home, at the New York Giants. Those are games you're supposed to win. And Carolina lost all three. 
Matt Rule, strangely, patted himself on the back Monday, saying it was the right decision to pull Sam Darnold from that game. But was it? Do you really think P.J. Walker was going to turn the tide? He was 3 of 14 passing when he came into the game. It's game seven. That game is not as valuable as what's left for the Panthers. And the problem Sam had when he was in New York was his confidence. And in Game 7, pulling him out in that spot, it kind of sends the message. I don't even think kind of. It tells you that you gave up on Sam Darnold. You gave up on him. If you're going to pull him in Game 7, I don't care how bad things were, you shouldn't be pulling him in that spot. But let's get an update on the injuries very quickly, and we'll talk to David Glenn in a minute. Carolina, Robert just sent this to me, putting rookie Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle in IR, after he suffered an injury in yesterday's practice. Shaq Thompson, he returned. Phil Snow says that he is likely going to play Shaq, but it's probably going to be in a limited capacity. This is the last week that Christian McCaffrey sits on IR, or at the earliest he can come back, I should say, is next week against the New England Patriots, so that's good news. Justin Burris is expected to play. Stephon Gilmore is expected to make his debut with Carolina. So if you're looking to turn this positively, there are a lot of guys returning this week, and help does seem to be on the way. But when I look at that schedule of what's left, that's where I lose all optimism that Carolina could turn it around and still be a playoff team. It's weird, Robert. Not every 3-4 and four is made the same way. Kansas City, someone actually brought this up to me after I said I didn't think Carolina would be a playoff team after the Giants lost. And said, would you say the same thing about Kansas City? They're three and four. Would you say the same thing about the New England Patriots? They're three and four. Not every three and four is made the same way. Indianapolis. Robert, am I right to say that Indianapolis, they're a three and four football team too? They they got off to suffer such a rough start, but they played so much better the last few weeks. I think it's relative to the division you're in. I think it's relative to what you have remaining on the schedule. I feel better about Indianapolis's 3-4 and four just because they share a division with Jacksonville and Houston. You would be correct in calling them a 3-4 and four team, but I don't know if you could call them a 3-4 and four playoff team. Only because of the, the other teams that are talented in the AFC that are in front of them. I think the Steelers are probably better off than they are, and I think the Patriots probably have a chance to squeak in, especially given the Colts' schedule, but... I don't know. I wouldn't call them a playoff team. They could right. be like last year's Vikings, who look. But they are different than the Panthers, three and four. Yeah, they're the point I'm trying to make. Than the Panthers, yeah. That that's all I'm saying. That the, not every three and four is made the same. So when someone hits me with, "You're not saying the Kansas City Chiefs are out because they're three and four, but the Panthers are," well, there's a lot of things baked into that pie. The most obvious being, Carolina doesn't freaking have Patrick Mahomes. Pulled the Royism there which means it's a good sign to transition. David Glenn joins us now from the ACC Sports Journal, founder of the ACC Sports Journal, writes for Chapel Borough. DG, always good to have you back on in the triad. Uh, I want to get to a number of things with you. 
starting with the ACC headquarters in Greensboro. I've been talking to a ton of people about this. We hope to have Nancy Vaughn, the the mayor of Greensboro, on in the next few days, if not this week, maybe next week. It seems that with this reaching phase two now, they're calling it, where they can actually look at other cities. Jim Phillips, when I asked him about it a few weeks ago, said they were only looking at Greensboro with phase one. It's become less likely, if it was even likely at all, that the ACC headquarters are going to remain in Greensboro. How unlikely do you believe it to be? I think it's very unlikely that the headquarters stays in Greensboro. And I actually just posted an article within the last maybe 10 minutes at chapelboro.com exactly on this topic. And it's great to be with you again, Josh. As you know, the ACC has a whole lot of people within it and a whole lot of fans who have romantic sentiments about the birthplace in Greensboro back in 1953 and now 68-plus years of calling Greensboro home. When the ACC had four of its eight members many years ago in North Carolina, literally half the member schools were located here, those sentiments carried a lot more weight. And right now, of course, same four schools, Duke, Wake State, and Carolina, uh, they make up four out of the 15 member schools. And not a lot of people at those other 11 schools find it easy to travel to Greensboro. And a lot of people at those other 11 schools want the ACC to find a city where there are more Fortune 500 companies, meaning more possible relationships business-wide for a league that, as you know, and we've discussed many times, is still way behind the SEC and the Big Ten financially. Uh, does proximity to business partners make that much of a difference? I mean, that's the billion-dollar question. But if these market research companies hired by the ACC believe that moving to Charlotte or somewhere else will help uh, kind of make those relationships happen more frequently, well, then there's no doubt that Charlotte or Atlanta or somewhere else in the ACC footprint is going to be the next home for the ACC headquarters. I take it that the Pac-12s moved to San Francisco and the SEC deciding not to move to, to Atlanta and stay in Birmingham when they did a similar search when Mike Slive took over as commissioner. Was it enough evidence that just because you move to a bigger city doesn't mean that you're guaranteed those types of partnerships? Yeah, I think that's in play, and that's one of the things where I don't think there is an obvious answer, right? You can hire all the expensive market research companies in the world, and nobody's going to give you the, uh, the bottom-line answer with uh, evidence you know, pouring over the edge of the cup that moving to a city that has Fortune 500 companies is going to turn those relationships into mega dollars. It's just not that simple. We're living in an inter- in internet age, a digital age. I'm sure 20, 40, 60, 80, and 100 years ago, physical proximity to business partners mattered a lot. Of course it did. Uh, in the internet age, things are different, so it's more of a debatable factor. But just just to paint the picture for you, there are 13 Fortune 500 companies based in the state of North Carolina. Greensboro has zero of them, and Charlotte and nearby cities have nine of the 13. That's not a small difference. That's not a slight difference. 
That's a massive difference. In fact, the six largest Fortune 500 companies in North Carolina are all based in Charlotte, starting with Bank of America and moving on down. It's all in my article at chapelboro.com. And beyond that, Josh, I don't know how much you've heard this in your many years covering the ACC, but it's hard for a lot of ACC folks and fans to get direct flights to the to the airport that you use there in Greensboro and, or that people in High Point and Winston-Salem and other cities nearby also use. Whereas it surprised me to learn this in my research, Charlotte Douglas International Airport not only has the obvious nonstop flights to Atlanta and Boston and Miami and other major cities in the ACC and even around the world, Charlotte also has regular nonstop flights to Charlottesville, Virginia, Louisville, Kentucky, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Syracuse, New York, and Tallahassee, Florida. All of those smaller cities, of course, having an ACC member institution within its city limits. Uh, that's not the biggest factor in the world, but I know the ACC has heard a lot of complaints about it, for sure. DG, I want to get to w- the root, though, of what people are afraid of. It's not just pride that people are talking about when they're upset about this issue. I hear people say, well, why does it matter where the headquarters are at and all these things? I've had more than a few people call this show, tweet me, email me, talk to me about this, that they believe that if they move the headquarters out of Greensboro, they'll have no excuse, no reason to bring the ACC tournament back there, which has already become a thing when you look at when they were away going to Brooklyn for the first time and they went to Washington, D.C. a handful of years ago, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when 2019, when they returned to North Carolina, it was to Spectrum Center in Charlotte the Zion year and not Greensboro, that Greensboro was 2020. And I heard folks say then in 2020 that they were fearful that might be the last ACC tournament they have there, and they believe the only reason they got 2023 was because of how things were a disaster with COVID and how that the world literally changed in the middle of that tournament. Are you of the opinion that the headquarters no longer being in Greensboro, and let's say hypothetically they go to Charlotte, will hurt Greensboro's chances of hosting future ACC tournaments? I think it'll hurt, but I don't think that Greensboro would be shut out entirely. I mean, as you know better than anybody, that city has hosted more ACC tournaments than any city. And history still matters a little bit. In fact, I think history matters enough that the ACC, whereas we all know it starts with money, right? Follow the money is a mantra that you can apply to most major sports headlines, most major world headlines, most major life headlines. And it absolutely is the starting point for this decision about relocating the headquarters. If you saw that announcement, by the way, there was a wink in there to government officials, state, city, county, or otherwise, that if you can give the ACC some kind of tax break or other financial incentive to come to your city or not leave your state, you know, they're certainly willing to listen now that they're expanding their search beyond uh, Greenboro, Greensboro itself. So that was, that was a wink toward Money Matters. The, the synergy reference is a wink toward Money Matters. And I think uh, the, the, the rotation of the ACC tournament was partly about money, but partly about making those other 11 schools that are not based in North Carolina happier with a rotation that was not, remember for a while, it was three quarters 
Charlotte and Greensboro and 25% everybody, everybody else. Now it's going to be flipped, I think. But I don't think you've seen, besides the one that's already scheduled, I don't think you've seen the last ACC tournament in Greensboro, but I don't think you're going to see it there regularly after this headquarters move either. I think you're right on that, and that's what really bums me out about it. David Glenn with us here. Read his column on this subject at chapelboro.com. Follow him on Twitter at David Glenn Show. Rather than ask you individually about both of the coaches that'll be facing off in Winston-Salem Saturday, Duke, Wake Forest, a game we're keeping a close eye on because you got the number 13-ranked team in the country home here to the triad. Um, I'll ask you about them together. If you were a betting man... Would you say this is the final time we'll see Duke Wake Forest with both Dave Clawson and David Cutcliffe on the sidelines? Yes. And obviously, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, there's a chance both return. There's a chance both leave. Uh, and obviously, for very different reasons. I'll put it this way. They both have very, very personal decisions to make. And what I mean by that, even though... Dave Clawson is winning big at Wake Forest right now, and David Cutcliffe is losing big at Duke these last three seasons after that amazing stretch of six bowls in seven years that the Blue Devils had never seen in their history. Not an exaggeration. Dave Clawson's personal decision is going to be, do I want to stay at a place that matches my culture, but where it's harder to win at the very highest level? Keeping, keeping this in mind, no Wake Forest head coach since the creation of the ACC in 1953 has finished his tenure with the Demon Deacons with a winning record. That's nobody in almost 70 years. Dave Clawson right now is 47 wins and 45 losses at Wake. If he left with a winning record, he'd be the only guy in the ACC era to pull that off at Wake Forest. Um, so Dave Clawson has to decide, does a city in an area that's been great to him and his family, uh, is it where he wants to be in his mid-50s and into his 60s, et cetera? Does he want to be, try to be the winningest coach in Wake Forest history? You know, he would need another 40 or so wins to pull that off. So that means a lot more years. David Cutcliffe is so respected at Duke that even though he has had now three straight losing seasons, it looks like, he has so much credibility there that I think he and the new athletic director, Nina King, with the retired Kevin White, you know, kind of lingering in the background. I don't think David Cutcliffe is just, you know, head on the chop block the way most other coaches who are in year 14 and have three straight losing seasons would be. I think it's a mutual agreement type thing where David Cutcliffe might say, hey, I'm 67 years old and I put Duke football back on the map and recruiting hasn't gone as well lately, and this is a third straight bad year unless he turns it around, which I don't think he will. Uh, so in very different ways, they have very, very personal decisions to make, and I'm not 100% sure which one, which way either one is going to go. Well said. I agree with that. DG, it's good to hear from you. Hope to see you in person sometime soon. Hope we could chat again sometime soon as well, and uh, make sure you go read that column if you haven't checked it out already. I assume many people have it because you just put it up. Uh, holding court with David Glenn, ACC's expected departure from Greensboro, Chapelboro.com. You can find that. DG, thanks for the time. Always fun, my friend. Keep up the good work. There you go. That's David Glenn, founder of the ACC Sports Journal, joining us here.